and uh, or a spouse who maybe is out working um, that uh, you can keep track with the series. Because I think, again, very, very helpful um, content. So let's dive in. Today, the title, the first lesson um, is what is the goal? So we're talking about creating a closeness with your children, directing their hearts toward God, having that heart connection. What is the goal with that? What does that even look like? And so look at Proverbs 22, verse 6. And this is kind of the verse that we will be launching from for this series. And it says there, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I have heard that uh, verse debated a lot. And I think uh, from all good people that, that you can look at it multiple ways, and uh, I think both of them could apply. Um, I have heard people take the, take the line that uh, if you do your job as a parent, you train them up. Uh, when they're old, they're going to serve the Lord and they're going to be fine. And, that, and I've seen a lot of parents who have a lot of heartache because I had them in church. I wasn't perfect, but, uh, but we raised them for the Lord. And then a child goes off and does their own thing. And then a parent's almost heartbroken. I failed somewhere. Uh, where did I fail? Um, I've heard the verse as well that kind of uh, alluded to that if you raise a child, you train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. When they are old, they'll never be able to depart or get away from um, the fact that they know what is right and what is wrong. Um, meaning that maybe they go off and they, they go do something crazy. Uh, they go and live in the world, but they are never going to be able to get away from the fact that I know what I'm doing is wrong. Mom and dad raised me the right way. And again, kind of either of those, the, the Bible isn't super clear on what exactly the context is. Um, but the context is clear uh, that we need to raise our kids for the Lord. That's very clear. Now, the outcome of that, uh, it could be debatable. And again, either one of those uh, are fine. But what is our goal for our kids? Um, if I was to ask you, what is your goal for your child? Some of you or some people would say, well, I just want to raise a, a good kid. Just, I, I want to raise a good kid. And that's admirable. That's great. But, but that's, we should want more than that. Well, I want to raise a good Christian kid. Uh, and that's admirable to raise a kid that's just a, a good kid, that uh, they're a good citizen, uh, they're, they're a decent person. Um, but even a Christian kid, that's great. They accept, they receive the Lord. But, but even a little further than that, our goal should be to raise kids that are committed disciples and committed followers of Christ. You know, because here's the thing, we could be, and not here to debate the overall, the Bible says that if you're saved, um, that there's going to be fruit, people are going to be able to see that. Now, that's not our job as Christians to be able to say, oh, well, they're not saved because blah, 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 blah. Uh, that's not our place. But I will say this, I believe that there are people that are saved, they are Christians, they've accepted Christ as their Savior, but they're not a disciple. They're not following after Christ. They're not committed to a lifelong relationship with him. And so what we need to be careful of as parents is, well, I just want to raise a good kid that loves the Lord. Great. Uh, there's a lot of people that, that would say, do you love God? Yes, I do. Okay, well, are you committed and are you actually following God? That's a totally different outcome. And so that needs to be our goal. And a couple things before we really dive into the meat of it, uh, some ABCs of parenting. And again, uh, throughout this series, there's going to be little tidbits that we kind of just throw in that are just helpful that we found. And here's one of them. What is accept responsibility? You know, parenting is a tremendous responsibility. 
When you think about it, that your child, this is, this is a, a, a weighty thing. Your child's future is greatly dependent upon your parenting. Have you ever thought about that? How your child turns out, the number one thing that affects that is your parenting. And that's scary when you think about that. Oh, man, you know, uh, and it's when you think about it, parenting, you have to take a test to be able to drive a car. You have to take a test and pass courses for a lot of things. But there is no course for parenting. It's not like when you go to the hospital, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Tool, uh, you know, your first baby, they're so cute, but let's go through, we got a three-day seminar you need to sit through on how to parent and how to take care of your kid, and then you can go home with your baby. No, they're, all right, you know, you're healthy, go ahead and go home. What do I do? <laughs> Figure it out, go for it. And we have children, the most precious thing that we ever have, and we don't have a whole lot of training for it. Uh, and there's not a whole lot of, of, of things that we need to do before becoming parents other than just creating a child. The physical act of creating a child, that's about that's all it takes. And it really, if you think about it, that's a weighty thing thinking that, man, I'm not prepared for this. And that's why it's so important that we take the time to invest into ourselves as mom and dad uh, by reading God's word. By reading, there's a lot of great books on parenting. And I've said this before, uh, but the greatest book that we will ever have for any issue that you are facing in your home is the Bible. So we need to start there first and foremost. But there's also some very practical books and things out there. And uh, what I'll do is maybe even uh, some point during the series, um, bring some books in that we've collected. And if you'd like to uh, maybe borrow those and check them out, we've done that before. Uh, maybe we could do that. But accept responsibility. Uh, secondly, there, the B, believe God's word. Um, here's the thing. Much of scripture will not line up with what the leading experts in society have to say today about raising kids. Uh, if you're not careful, um, you can get caught up in, well, what is this psychologist that is on the morning talk show? Um, they say that we shouldn't do this with our kids. Uh, for a long time, there was a whole thing. Don't tell your kids no. You're, they're going to get a, a complex and they're going to feel like they, they're just worthless because you tell them no. And here's the thing. You, you try that out for a little while and you're going to create an entitled little brat just to put it plainly and bluntly. Uh, your kid needs to hear no, because here's the thing. They're going to hear no in life. Uh, has, did anybody at all this week? I know my hands up um, here in some way, shape or form. No. in something that you wanted to do. Maybe it was even something driving on the interstate. I want to go 90 miles per hour to get where I need to go. But then that sign over there and that police officer over there says no. We were driving this week and we were in Texas. Jenny had a conference and uh, so we were driving around and, and the interstates there. Dallas, too much traffic for me. I don't like it. I like Mobile. It's like the perfect size city. It's big enough to have everything we need, but it's not too crazy in traffic. But it, it was ridiculous. But we were coming on one on-ramp and there's a guy. He's, he wasn't even in his police car. I mean, he was like out with his radar gun, just like clocking people like this. And, uh, and here's the thing, Dad, that in a way that is to being told, no, you can't speed coming through here. Uh, and here's the thing. A lot of kids who think mom and dad don't ever tell them no, they think uh, that they can do whatever they want. And who are you to tell me uh, no? But we need to believe God's word because God's word will teach us what we need to do as parents. And here's the thing. There's a statement in scripture that talks about let God be true and every man a liar. When it comes down to it. Okay, this person says, do this, this, and this uh, as a parent. This is how we need to discipline our kids. 
Okay, great. What does the Bible say? Uh, well, we need to do this, this, and this as Christians. Okay, fantastic. Let's go to God's word. What does the Bible say? That's why I appreciate our pastor that uh, he, he doesn't get off on a whole lot of tangents and soapboxes. And let me tell you what I think. Uh, you sit in there on a Sunday morning and you're going to go through a lot of scripture verses. Sometimes that's why I, as much as possible, try to keep up in my Bible uh, just because I don't want to be a lazy Christian and just sit there and watch the screen. But there are times when I can't keep up, so I'm glad it's up there on the screen so I can see it. But we're going to look at Scripture. We're going to look at what does the Bible say? Because it doesn't matter what Randy Tool says. It matters what the Word of God says. And the same for me or anybody who's teaching the Word of God. Uh, we need to believe God's Word. And then the C there, and again, this is uh, taking a long time in the introduction, but want to lay a foundation consistent. Train up our children in the way. This is, again, kind of the ABCs. This is in a synopsis. If you don't get anything else, circle this, and this will help you. Just these ABCs. This is the way of Christ, and it's our responsibility to train them consistently. Raise them for the Lord. And, and we'll talk maybe a later about this, but uh, really our kids, um, we've talked before in, in, in class about stewardship. And many times when we hear stewardship, we instantly relate that to finances and money. And we've talked about before how when we have that closed grip, this is my money, that, that no one's going to take it. Uh, I don't want to give it back to God. I've got to hang on to it. Uh, it it's, it's very hard for us to have the proper perspective, and it's very hard for God to bless us with more. But can I say if we approach our children in the same way, it makes it a lot easier when one day your kid comes to you and says, Dad, Mom, I, I feel God's calling me to be a missionary. Ooh, I don't know about that. Uh, that means you have to go move to another country. Uh, that means, you know, you're going to go do something. You're not going to make a lot of money in that field. Uh, oh, man. But when we approach it with open hands that, God, I am just stewarding the blessings that you've given to me. These aren't my kids. They're your kids. I just have the opportunity to raise them. When we approach it with that mindset, it makes it a lot easier to raise them for the nurture and admonition of Christ. Because it's not about us. It's not about what we want. It's all about Christ. So connecting, though, uh, this heart connections, connecting with your family members' hearts is one of, if not one of, the most important keys to having a home that Christ would have for you. Uh, husbands, you want to have a good marriage? Connect with your wife's heart. When your heart is connected, there's nothing that's going to pull you apart. You are on the same page. It's going to make a lot of the other issues a lot easier to deal with. A lot of times when finances become a problem, it's not just the stress of it, but it's husband and wife. Your hearts aren't on the same page. They're not knit. They're not connected in that area. So then you're having to deal with this and it's causing all these other issues, disciplining the kids. If you're not on the same page, your heart's not connected, that's going to cause strife. But even with our kids, we need to connect with their hearts. We need to have their heart. And that goes for every single relationship. So let's dive in. Several passages and verses. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read every single one. And again, I hate uh, doing that uh, per se, but for, for the, it's in there. That's why I like these printouts because they're there. You can see the principles. Um, but, but I do want to get through these lessons or, or already um, we're running behind and this will take two or three weeks, just lesson number one. And so uh, let's dive in. Let's look at number one this morning, talking about raising our kids, talking about heart connections, 
talking about connecting with them. Uh, and let's, let's just dive in straight in and just we'll see what the scripture and what the Bible has to say. So number one, this idea of connecting with our kids' hearts, we need to make this your priority for yourself and your children. Make this your priority for yourself and your children. And I love this statement. If desire is not accompanied by action, you won't see progress in life. If desire is not accompanied by action, you won't see progress in life. How many of us have, we've desired a lot of things. I desire, I would love to lose X amount of pounds before this date. That's a great desire. Good good to have that desire. But if action does not accompany the desire, you know, if I really would love to get in better shape. Oh, cake. You know, we're over here. That desire is great. We're glad you have a desire. But action needs to accompany the desire. So we could sit here all day and say, I want to connect with my kids' hearts. I want to raise them for God. That desire is fantastic. But you have to have some action that accompanies that desire to make sure that happens. The same could be said about connecting with your kids' hearts and raising them for the Lord. We could sit here all day and say, I really want to connect with my kids' hearts. I really want to see my kids turn out for God. I really want to see them live for the Lord. But then we act in a way that doesn't line up with what we say our desires are. You know, actions speak louder than words. The old adage that we all know. We could sit here all day and say, you know, how many times have we done this? Um, talking to our wife even. And I can pretty much already tell it's going to be a two-week lesson. So I'm not even going to try to slow down anymore or speed up. It's going to be two weeks for sure. How many times have we sat there with our wife and, babe, I, want, I really want to know what's bothering you. You know, just tell me. I, I really want to know. And we're, we're are expressing our desire to really connect. And then what do they do? They open up a little bit. And they kind of begin to tell us. And then what do we do? We, we really didn't want to know. Uh, we just wanted them to say everything's good. And we wanted to appease ourselves and move on with life. They tell us what's bothering them. And then that we take it as an attack on us. And then we tend to kind of, uh, kind of bark back a little bit. And then they close up. And again, our desires, what we say, but then our actions, they don't line up with each other. Matthew 6.33 is a great example of this. But seek ye first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I want to follow Christ. I love the Lord. Okay, I'm desire, desire, desire. I'm saying it. Great. But what about your actions? Are you seeking God first? That means in your day, are you following? Are you spending time with Christ? And again, I was talking to people this week. It's not necessarily, uh, and I've heard people talk about give God the best of your day. And and I agree, but schedules are different. There may be some that you read your Bible at night. There may be some that you, I I know people that consistently, they listen to the word of God. Uh, Maybe they have an hour drive to work. So they're listening to scripture. So so I'm not here to say do this, this or this. But what I am here to say is we can sit here all day saying, I want to follow Christ. I want to have a relationship with Christ. But then we don't spend any time with him. We're, we're listening to sports first. We, we hop on Facebook and Instagram before we ever get in the Bible. And here's the thing. If we want to really seek God, we need to seek the kingdom of God. Seek it first. Um, Exodus 23, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And we could go verse after verse after verse um, through this. And the point being is we can say one thing, but then we could do another. 
And so if we really want to raise kids for Christ, if we really want to connect with them and then connect. And and here's the thing. Our whole goal throughout this series, we're talking about heart connections. Our goal shouldn't be to connect with our kids heart to be able to uh, uh, our own good. Our goal should be able to connect with their heart so we can in turn connect them to Christ. That's what it's all about. Put plain and simple. Connect with their heart so that we can connect them with Christ. And that's really the goal of it. And so these verses talk about that. But here's some things. It's it's amazing. We say we want to put Christ first, but yet actions don't line up. We, We may miss church because our kids have a lot of homework. What does that say about our priorities? Well, God's number one priority, except when the teacher gave us a lot of homework. So then we we are not going to do it. Uh, You know, when the sports team plays schedules or practice or a game or a school event is scheduled on a church night. Well, you know, church, God's number one priority, except in this case. What we're showing our kids is, yes, make God our number one priority most of the time. And what we're showing them is that, that it's optional. We say it's number one. We say he's got number one, first place in our life, but our actions don't line up. You know, when, uh, uh, if, if, it, if it doesn't, I heard this statement. If it doesn't keep you from work on Monday, it shouldn't keep you from church on Sunday. Man, and that's, that's, that's a tough one sometimes. Because, you know, what do we do? Well, I'm not feeling well, so I'm going to go ahead and stay home from church because I need to be healthy for work. Here's the thing. We're not, we're not put on this earth uh, to go make this company money. We're put on this earth to bring honor and glory to God. And we'll drag ourselves into to work. To, why? Well, I've got to make that money. You don't understand. We've got to survive. Again, this goes back to what we talked about, I think, a few weeks ago, talking about our spiritual food. Or I think in my Bible class we talked about this. If we correlated our spiritual food the same way we do our physical food, it would change a lot. Why are you going to drag yourself in half sick to work? Well, I need money. Why? So I can pay the bills so we can eat. But we're not going to drag ourselves into church to get that spiritual food. And it's, it's again, it's all about priority. You know, talk is cheap. We can say that it's our priority, but our actions speak louder than words ever could. Uh, there's a quote there. Discipleship, because again, that's our goal is to train our kids, not just to be a good kid. Not to just be a good Christian kid. They can be saved. Uh, but we want them to be true disciples. Discipleship is not a self-esteem journey. Growth means change. Change always includes loss. And loss is always painful. Meaning you really want to do something for Christ. You want to be a committed disciple. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be the easiest thing to do. Sometimes it's going to take a lot of work. And a lot of hard work. Sometimes you're going to need to say no to some things to be able to say yes to other things. And I think that's a big reason. A lot of times we have a hard time telling people no. No, I can't do that because this is number one priority. And that's uh, it's key. So number one, we said, make this your priority for yourself and for your children. And what is this? We're talking about raising them to be a disciple, to follow Christ. Number two, use the proper tools. Use the proper tools, and that's T-O-O-L-S, all right? Training up a child as a disciple. This should be our goal. We've already said that. The definition, I love this, the definition of a disciple. A disciple is a child with a heart for God 
and the training to effectively serve him for a lifetime. That, that should be your goal. Create them as a disciple, a child with a heart for God. They love God. They, they want to follow him and the training to effectively serve him for a lifetime. Here's the thing. Not every kid in this room, God is going to call to be a missionary or to serve him vocationally speaking in, in, in life. God's not going to call every single boy in this room to be a pastor. God's not going to call every single girl represented in this room, as far as our kids go, to be a Christian school teacher or, or uh, to be a piano player at a church and marry a pastor. But can I say our goal and desire should be to raise our kids so that they are trained to do whatever God wants them to do? Meaning if God calls your son to be a missionary one day, I hope you've raised him to be able to be prepared for that. God may call him to be a lawyer. God may call him to be a missionary or or a, a, a millionaire, a businessman and send missionaries. I don't know. God's the only one who knows that. But your goal and your plan should not be, I'm going to raise my kid uh, to to follow in my footsteps in my career. I'm going to raise my kid uh, to to make sure I'm going to choose every decision we make. I see this all the time. People make their decisions for their kids based on, well, our goal is for them to go to the Ivy League college and to, to be this, this, and this. That's great. Have aspirations. Push them academically. None of those things are bad. But what is God's goal? Stop. When we say a lot of our decisions, if we're to be honest, a lot of parents' decisions are not what's best for their kid. It's what's best for them. You think there's a lot of kids who are, are playing TAAs right down the field, right down the street. There on any given Saturday, there, there will be hundreds of kids playing baseball that at the end of the day, if they were to be honest with you, they hate it and, and have no desire to play baseball whatsoever. The only reason they're doing it is because a mom or a dad pushed them to play. Because they play baseball or their buddies, kid plays baseball and they want to push their kid to do that. And here's the thing. It's not about us as parents. It's about these kids and raising them for Christ. So use the proper tools, uh, the tools that we have at our disposal. And I'm going to give you these quickly so we may actually finish up because I don't have a lot of uh, there's a lot of points, but I'm just going to give them to you. Um, Nancy DeMoss says this. Uh, it's an author, wrote a book, Lies That Women Believe. She said frustration is the byproduct of attempting to fulfill responsibilities God did not intend for us to carry. Meaning, uh, as mom and dad, sometimes frustration could be when we're trying to do too much, when we're trying to uh, uh, get everything just in place, and we're trying to work our, our angle, and we want this has got to work out so this can happen, and so they can take this next step. When we need to take a step back and just realize our entire job as parents is just to raise them for the Lord. That's it. And that takes away a lot of stress when we realize that. Uh, but let's look at what are some of these tools that we can use. And I'm going give to give these to you very quickly. Letter A, relationships. Relationships. John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. You know, this relationships, this is the most powerful tool that you have as a parent and a spouse. Um, don't get to the point where as husband and wife, mom and dad, all you're doing is you happen to share the last, same last name and the same address. That's about it. That's all you have in common. That's why the, the, for a long time at least, I don't know the latest statistic, but 50 years old, 
early 50s, late 40s, mainly the early 50s, was the number one time frame for, for divorces. Reason being, the husband and wife got to the point where they shared the same last name, they shared the same address, but they really didn't have a relationship. When the kids moved out, they kind of realized, I don't even know what we're doing here. I don't even really like you anymore, let alone love you. And then they just move on. And we need to make sure as mom and dad, we don't allow that to happen with our kids. We need to make sure that doesn't happen to husband and wife. Don't just share that same last name and address. Get to know them for who they are and love them for who they are. Here's the thing. Every single one of your kids are different. They're different. As much as they are alike, they may look alike. They may have a lot of the same tendencies, but they're going to be completely polar opposites. And if you begin to compare siblings with another sibling, what you're doing is is you're pitting them up against each other and you're just creating a recipe for disaster. Does anybody remember in scripture what happened when one of the last times in scripture when one of the siblings felt like another sibling was getting a little bit of special treatment? You know, and it was kind of, why can't you be more like him? Why can't, the, really the first example of Cain and Abel, that's one right there. He got upset because he didn't follow what God was telling him to do. And so instead of saying, okay, I need to do that, uh, he felt like there, there was this competition, sibling rivalry, it's a real thing. Uh, and and it, it's, it's even if you try your best not to push that as parents, it's going to happen. But can I say even comparing your kids to other kids in school, other classmates? Well, so-and-so doesn't get in trouble. Your your kid's not so-and-so. Stop comparing them to them. You need to just, what are you supposed to do as a child? Let's improve. What can we do better? And you're only going to get there by having that relationship. Letter B, training. Uh, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, we already read this verse, he will not depart from it. You know, athletes, it's amazing. They will train for years and years and years to go to the Olympics. An Olympic athlete, I'd encourage you to do some research on They, I mean, they, they don't work. They don't do anything. All they do is train for, for 8 to 10 hours a day for whatever sport it is. And many times they'll do that for four years leading up to the Olympics. And through that, they'll have some Olympic trials and some things. But many times, especially for, for track athletes, they're training. They're doing all of that training for a race that takes 10 seconds in a 100-meter dash. That's it. Boom. And it's done. They train for years and years and years and years for this specific goal of winning a gold medal. Can I say that you and I as parents, our kids, their future is so much more important than a gold medal? And I love, there's nothing I love more than uh, when Olympics come around seeing the USA at top of the medal count. I love that. I take pride in that. That's great. But can I say our kids and their future is so much more important than winning a gold medal? We need to take the same effort and if not more than what these athletes do to win a piece, uh, a ribbon and a piece of metal on the end of it for training our kids to live for Christ. Training, let her see the word, really just word. Uh, Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word uh, be that goeth forth out of my mouth, shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. We need to be in the Bible. Boy, if we, if we, again, this goes back to our desire is great, but we need to back it up with action. Well, I want to raise my kids for Christ. Great. Are you, as mom and dad, in the Bible? Are you in God's word? Well, I'm just so busy. Then you, and again, this is harsh. And I'm speaking to myself this morning. You really don't want to raise your kids for Christ. 
That's just plainly put. Well, I want to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I want to be the, 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 the leader of our home, men. And I want to be the spiritual leader. Great. Are you consistently reading God's word? Well, I mean, you don't understand. Then just stop. Just be honest with yourself about your desire of really wanting to. Here's, have you ever noticed the things that we really want to do? We do. We'll rearrange schedules. We'll figure things out. If money, if we really want it, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll make it happen financially. We're, if it's something we truly, really want to do, our human nature is we are going to do whatever we have to to work it out and make it happen. So here's the thing. If we really, truly want to raise our kids for the nurture and admonition of the Lord, we're going to rearrange some things in our own life, in our family life, to make sure that we're actually doing it. And one of those is the Word of God. We need to be in the Bible. We need to be in God's Word so we can communicate to our kids what God has for them to hear through us. You know, that's really the role of the pastor. If you study Scripture, uh, the role of the pastor is, is to be in the Bible, studying God's Word, and to be in prayer. That, that's, that's what, if you look at it, what does the Bible say? The officer of the, the bishop, the office of a pastor, uh, what is he supposed to do? He's supposed to be in the Bible and praying. Not planning, you know, a chili and cornbread cook-off. And all those things are great, but that's not what God's called him to do. Why is that? That's so he can be in God's word. So when we come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we expect, and rightfully so, we expect our pastor to have been in the word of God so that he can then share with us what God has given him. How many times have we said, mom, dad, it's not the church's responsibility to raise your kids. How many times have we said, men, you're supposed to be the spiritual leader of the home. So if we expect the pastor to kind of be receiving that from God's word to then share with us as a congregation, don't you think, dad, that you should be reading God's word so that then you could take it and share it with your kids and share it with your family? And mom, same with you. You have that. You have more of an influence on your kids, especially in the younger days than your husbands do, according to statistics and, and really just practicality. But we need to get our kids in the word of God. Boy, do that maybe through family devotions. Having a time daily where you're reading God's word. Maybe it's just on the way to school. Maybe it's listening to a chapter on your phone so the kids can hear it. Maybe there's, there's so many in technology nowadays. There's no excuse to not be able to read God's word or hear God's word with technology. There's apps, all those things. There's apps that have kids' Bible stories on them where they can hear God's word being taught to them. Uh, letter D, reproof. Talking about discipline, you need to correct your kids. Um, they are going to be okay if you correct them and they are told no. Correcting them, here's the thing, correcting kids is not the most fun thing as a parent, but it could be one of the most vital things that you do, is correcting them. When something's wrong, correct it. Uh, letter D, reproof. Letter E, chasten. Chasten. Proverbs 19, 18, chasten thy son while there is hope. I love this. And let not thy soul spare for his crying. Chasten thy son while there is hope. See, when you correct things, that, that reproof is a correction. That chasten is a discipline. That's a whipping. That's whatever it is that you feel like you need to do for the consequence. But that is chastening. God chastens us. God, what does the Bible say? If we're his kid, he's going he's gonna to take care of us. He's going to chasten us. 
uh, and we need to make sure. And we're going to cover biblical chastening a little bit later in this series, talking about what does the Bible say in this area of chasing our kids. Letter F, reward. And there's three types of incentives to reward and do right. And we won't spend a ton of time on those, but you can see the goal and achievement oriented prize. And you can see scripture. Uh, God uses this. I've heard a lot of people. Well, you know, we should reward our kids. They should just do right because they need to do right. Okay, that's great. But if the kid's three or four years old or, or even nine, ten years old, a reward encouraging them. Uh, hey, you did something great. Uh, I heard this statement. What gets rewarded gets repeated. What gets rewarded gets repeated. Now, not to equate our kids with dogs, but how do you train a dog? You, they, you know, you get them a little treat. Sit. They don't sit. Sit. They don't sit. Sit. They sit. Give them a treat. That dog equates, if I do right, there's going to be a reward for me. And can I say it's okay for our kids to realize you do right, you're going to get rewarded. Do you know how I know that's okay? Look at those verses. God does that with us, doesn't he? You serve Christ, you do right, you're going to get rewarded. What, is the, what, is, what, are, we, what are we going to get when we get to heaven if we've served God faithfully? We're going to get crowns. We're going to get rewarded, aren't we? So don't you think it's okay for us to reward our kids when they do right? Uh, The goal and achievement oriented. Number two, the pattern and responsibility oriented reward. Number three, the incident oriented praise and approval. And then letter G, the last tool that we have is prayer. Prayer. Ask yourself this morning, how often are you praying for your kids? Are you praying for them consistently? Are you praying that they serve God? How often are you praying for your kid's future? How often are you praying for their future spouse? That's something to think about. Especially those of us that have uh, girls, you know, someday you're going to be uh, turning over, you know, that girl into the, that future husband. Are you praying that wherever that guy is, that God is raising them right now? But prayer, prayer. So this whole idea of heart connections. This purpose, our, our goal and our purpose, again, we need to, again, this is kind of very foundational for the rest of the series. Our purpose, the whole reason we're <clears throat> connecting with our kids' heart, and we're going to be talking about this, isn't just so we can have a great relationship, but that's part of it. But our purpose is to connect with their heart so we can, in turn, connect them with Christ by training them to be a true disciple and follower of Christ. And so that's our goal. So over the next several weeks, it's going to be very practical, very helpful, a lot of great information, and uh, hope that you plan to come. And again, um, we're, we're going to get back on track of recording these. So if you miss a week and want to keep up, uh, just look at the uh, class Facebook 